0: Hi and welcome to the new series of the Happier Life Project brought to you by free mental health and wellness app my possible self. I'm Gabby. If we're meeting for the first time, hello, welcome. A little bit about me, as well as being a radio presenter, producer and podcaster, I'm also a very passionate yogi with 400 hours of teacher training under my belt. And I've been now with my possible self for the last couple of years. I absolutely love it. And the mission of this podcast is to collaborate with guests, experts and influencers in the field of mental health and wellness in a way that draws as much helpful information as possible from them in a digestible way that will help you on your mission to live a happier, healthier life. With that in mind on the show today, to kick things off, we welcome Michelle Ellman, a five board accredited life coach, author, broadcaster, and public speaker. Named as one of the sun's most inspirational women in the UK, Michelle quickly established herself as the Queen of Boundaries. With a huge social following, Michelle's debut children's book, How to Say No, setting boundaries for your friendships, your body, and your life. Is the how-to when it comes to you saying no to demanding friends, no to parties you don't want to go to, no to being tied to your phone, even no to unwanted hugs. This is an empowering, essential and playful guide to setting boundaries that won't just benefit children, it will help adults too. So without further ado, ready to find a healthier, happier you? let's get started welcome life coach author presenter tedx speaker michelle elman to the happier life project
1: thanks for having me
0: oh thank you so much for coming on being coined the queen of boundaries there's no better guest to help us dive into this subject matter yeah it's quite a compliment. <laughs> well, we're gonna kind of learn about your story a little bit along the way. And when we come to like boundaries and mental health, when we're looking at say, topics and areas where it might impact on mental health for for good or for bad, I don't know if people would necessarily think about how boundaries could affect their mental health unless perhaps they are really struggling. Do you think that as well, like with clients that you've worked with and stuff, that they they might be like not very good at boundaries and that's why they're really, you know, having a tough time?
1: Well, I think boundaries is one of those words we hear all the time, but very few people actually know the definition of it. So I often start with that. And boundaries are simply how we teach others to treat us. So it is what is and isn't acceptable around behaviour And so if you are being treated badly consistently by the people around you, then you are going to struggle with your mental health. You will have an impact on your self-esteem. You can't Mm. be around people who treat you badly and think highly of yourself. And Mm. that's why the people around you really matter. But also you standing up for yourself and you saying no to that kind of treatment is crucial to a positive mental health
0: that's such a good sentence that you said about boundaries being how we teach other people to behave towards ourselves.
1: Yeah, teach other people how to treat us.
0: I think maybe sometimes the waters get muddied as well because it might not be te- we might not be intentionally being treated badly. I suppose this is where you've come in and taught a, a lot especially in your books that I've been reading because you know We need to implicate boundaries with people that are closest to us. It would seem that's where it kind of lies the most, whether that's family or friends or work colleagues. These are people within your realm, right?
1: Well, I think intention actually doesn't matter at the end of the day. The impact is what matters. So when it comes to communication, it's not about how you intended the communication. It's about how it was received. So if you meant it as a compliment, but it came across as an insult, it's an insult. And therefore, Mm. when you set the boundary, it's not about whether someone was malicious or well intended. It matters the impact it had and setting the boundary around that. So it's about how you want other people to treat you. And even if someone thinks it's a passive aggressive joke, but it's not actually a joke. I know a lot of people have experiences of jokes that aren't very funny Mm. in those moments it's important to still set the boundary because it's around how you want to be treated and if you don't find it funny then that's enough of a reason but a lot of the time we undermine our own boundaries because we think oh i shouldn't make such a big deal about it i don't have a sense of humor and usually we have these sentences in our head because they've been said to us Mm. that oh just learn how to take a joke but actually a lot of the times people are using jokes as a way to disguise how they truly feel and one of the key things about boundaries is learning how to communicate your needs so boundaries cannot be taught without teaching communication in general. And one of the best boundaries is having a very clear policy around saying what you mean and meaning what you say. And what you find is if you're bad at boundaries, you'll increase the amount of sarcasm you use, the amount of passive aggression you use. All of these are indirect form of communication because you aren't able to communicate directly.
0: Mm. a light bulb moment for me was we've done polls before and we've reached out to our app users and to our listeners and said okay what are the areas you struggle with most in regards to your mental health and then we'll try to work on more content for you in that area number one and we've done it a few times now number one is always low self-esteem and low self-worth And we have done podcasts on, you know, what you can do to improve your self-esteem or self-worth. But boundaries has never been brought up either by me or by the guest. So could we be overlooking? It sounds like we have like an area that actually we should be looking at.
1: Well, if you have low self-esteem, what usually accompanies that is people pleasing. So doing what everyone else wants you to do, behaving in a way that he makes, ensures that you are liked rather than being respected. And I say ensures that you are liked, but even people pleasers are disliked. So it doesn't even guarantee that you're going to be liked. But when you do that, you have no time and energy left for yourself. And someone who has low self-worth won't see that as a priority. But when you have high self-worth, you know that you deserve time for yourself. You know you deserve your own energy. You know that taking care of yourself is more important than taking care of the people around you because you're useless to the people around you if you're not looked after yeah and also a person with high self-worth is able to say I'm my number one priority and I'm not going to be apologetic about that and actually that is the way that I believe everyone should operate because when you're emptying yourselves out in order to be liked by society be liked by your friends and family around you all that ends up happening is you end up burnt out and exhausted
0: going back to like the people pleasers and there's many of us then it's Mm -hmm clearly very challenging to to set boundaries fear of being disliked probably being the fundamental one or fear of missing out what's it FOMO yeah. <laughs> um, it's, you know it's real if you're scared as well about the reaction that somebody's going to have you know if they are a more what's the right word like dominant presence or you know maybe somebody that is prone to flying off the handle or whatever and you're not your manner is different to that it's maybe more gentle then there's that fear of the reaction as well so how do we cross that hurdle then when we are a people pleaser
1: Well, I think you have to remember that their reaction or their response at all is not your responsibility. A lot of the times, we have this narrative that if we change the way we set the boundary, they will react in a better way or they will be more accepting of your boundary. And it's just not true. If someone doesn't want to accept your boundary, they will react negatively. They will call you names. They will call you selfish. They will call you all kinds of names under the sun harsh, mean, aggressive. These words are largely aimed at women more so than men, because if a man knows their needs and vocalises it, they're told that they are confident, Mm self-assured and they know what they want. Whereas when women do it, it's very much "oh, she's a bit difficult to work with those kind of comments. And I think it's actually just accepting that people in your life who love you for you, aren't wanting you in your life for the amount that you do for them and when you first set those boundaries because it's different to the way you've interacted with people in, a pa- in the past it absolutely can be shocking it can absolutely end f- friendships and relationships because the person they've chosen to have a relationship with was a people pleaser and when you first set boundaries unfortunately you start to realize that when you're a people pleaser you tend to attract people who take advantage of that And saying no is realizing that you're not actually going to lose anyone who should be in your life. You're actually just going to lose the people who are taking advantage of your niceness. And I think we have to remember that being nice in society often is going along with what everyone else wants. But it's your one life and you need to live your life according to you. And if that annoys other people, let them be annoyed. But that's not your Emotion or their reaction isn't yours to fix. You talk
0: about processing your own emotions in regards to boundary setting. So, what do, exactly did you mean by that? Why is it important?
1: Well, I think a lot of the time it's perceived that boundary setting is that flying off the handle, say, like, and it's essentially the anger, the rage setting boundaries in the heat of the moment very rarely are healthy or good boundaries to set, it's usually used as a wall so within my book I talk about the difference between boundaries and walls and what people think are boundaries can be used to push people away because they're scared, because they're in the middle of a confrontation and they feel like they're too vulnerable so they put this wall up and it's f you and f this and i'm out of here this relationship is over that's not a boundary a boundary is you giving someone a warning around a specific behavior you giving them the opportunity to change you reinforcing that behavior if it's repeated and then if the boundary continues to be disrespected that's when you end the relationship but just flying off the handle and doing something out of your emotions will tend to lead to regrets because it's not you actually telling someone what you want. And ultimately, at the end of the day, people don't know your boundaries unless you tell them. People don't know what you're thinking unless you tell them. And mm. so when we're in that vulnerable moment, it can be feel, feel really tempting to put that wall up and run away from the situation. But then that's not good communication. And that's not setting a boundary. That's just being scared.
0: Mm. And what about then when it's, processing somebody else's emotions or maybe trying to shield yourself from somebody else's emotions in your book the joy of being selfish you talk about emotional dumps where uh, I, I really like the um the example you give us. imagine each emotion is a heavy book and somebody's taken a whole stack and they've gone plonk on your lap and they've just yeah. you know giving you all this dead weight basically that's not yours so this is an area that I will hold my hand up and say I really personally struggle with in terms of like if somebody is in a very, I will say the word shitty mood, then it will make me feel shitty, <laughs> you know. Yeah. And and or if somebody's really mad and being quite venomous and they're just maybe it's not at me, but it's just they're releasing, then I will recoil and I will feel it emotionally and physically. Have you got any advice for anyone like me that you know, can be violated, I suppose, by somebody's emotional dump that's not asked for, you know?
1: I use that analogy because I think sometimes you actually visualising it as, no, I'm not going to carry this anymore, have it back, Mm. is what you need to think about when you go through those feelings. So, Whether it's walking into a room and you can tell someone's in a bad mood in the room and you're suddenly in a bad mood, visualise yourself in a bubble, a bubble that cannot be penetrated. And I don't need to be in a bad mood just because they're in a bad mood. So the same way we have the physical barrier around our body that is our skin, we need to have a barrier around energy and you need to decide what your energy is. But a lot of the times it's people who are very highly compassionate that borders on too empathetic that you absorb the people around you but it's twofold one it's the understanding that you taking on board someone's emotions isn't helpful because it doesn't teach them how to manage their own emotions but also you can't heal emotion that isn't in your body and so actually absorbing a secondary emotion means it's just stuck within you because you're it's not in your life it's not a problem you can solve so let's say if someone just got uh, fired from their job and it's your partner and you feel really sad for them Mm. it actually is taking away attention from their sadness And so they often don't get as much space to feel their own sadness, but also if you're carrying their sadness for them, some people won't actually experience their own sadness. And so to actually view it as doing other people as a a favour, to let them have their own emotions, give them space for how they feel, but actually you don't need to feel the same way, that's the key understanding behind changing that dynamic the thing that i do when i walk into a room and i notice a certain energy is i'm very conscious about maintaining my energy so there are people in the room who have very strong energies and actually being able to maintain your own energy is a skill that happens over time and not being affected by the people around you and that is a boundary where you aren't allowing people to have that power to change how you feel internally Wow. When it comes
0: then to putting a boundary in place, you talk about knowing your values. So is this where we start? It's like, what, what is important to me? And then I can put this boundary in place that needs to be there, basically?
1: Yeah. And it's also about if you know your values and how they are prioritized in your life. So whether that's like work is more important to you than family and friends, which I know sounds like a really stigmatized thing to say because uh, we get taught like family should be the most important and all of these things. I'm not judging your values. Everyone has different values. And Depends your values- on the family. <laughs> Yeah, and it really does depend on the family. It really depends on the friends, but it also really depends on the timing in your life. I will say there were points in my life where my work was my number one priority. And I will say now that I'm in my 30s, it's not my number one priority, that there was a time in my life I wanted to build up my career. And what that means is when you're making decisions in your life, it's very clear. So a date comes in, I have a a date booked for an evening, a work thing comes in last minute, the work thing's more important because it's a higher priority i'm on a date with a a guy and a friend was like hey emergency i need your help well my friends are more important than my love life so i choose my friend over that it makes the decisions you make so much simpler but then also when it comes to boundaries you're allowed to have different boundaries for different parts of your life there are things that i let friends get away with that i would never let a new guy i'm dating get away with Or even in terms of access. So if a friend texts me, they usually get an instant reply. If work texts me, they usually get an instant reply. When it's someone new I'm dating, if you text me, you will get a reply after work hours because work is more important in my life than my love life. But then things change. My love life is way more important in my life now than my work life is. So my boyfriend will get a reply faster than my colleagues will get a reply. And it's about just knowing yourself. It's understanding what's important to you. And then if you know what's important to you, you can vocalize it to the people around you.
0: How are you so wise? <laughs> I And this is the uh, you know proof now hearing you speak of why you are the queen of boundaries. Like, where did this passion for helping others in terms
1: of with boundaries come from like I'd love to know a bit about your story well I was a pushover I sometimes say people pleaser but the honest truth is I was a pushover and it actually was born out of the fact that I had quite a wake-up call in my final year of uni when I went to a friend's birthday and I came out to A text on every platform, like Facebook Messenger, on WhatsApp. I had my on my text messages, missed calls from my boyfriend. Honestly, I thought someone had died. And I called him back. was like, hey, what's wrong? I was just in a birthday thing. So I didn't want to pick up my phone. Mm. And he was like, oh, nothing. You're just usually at my beck and call. And it was that comment that just made me go like, I can't believe not only do you think that, you have the nerve to say that to my yeah, face. Yeah,
0: that use of language is what am I like? Some kind of pet.
1: <laughs> yeah, and I, it, but it also the mentality that you think about your girlfriend at the time, he is obviously an ex, but it was that happening and me going, hmm. Something about my priorities is wrong, but also the way people are treating me isn't okay. And I was in a birthday for an hour and somehow he felt that entitled to my time and energy that it was so urgent for something that was like, he wanted to tell me about his work day, something very like unimportant that he felt he could interrupt my time in such a extreme way. And then I came home and all my housemates were in the middle of a fight and, I kind of got into the fight because everyone was yelling and screaming. I was trying to calm it down. And by getting involved, one of them said to me, do you know how much we tolerate having to live with you? And it was those two comments back to back from two separate areas of my life that I just went, how have I ended up with people in my life who treat me like this? Mm -hmm. And because it was two separate areas of my life and two separate situations that just happened to happen back to back, it made me go what am I doing that's telling people that they can treat me this way Mm -hmm. and so it was that light bulb moment where I went something has to change with people in my life who think about me this way who treat me this way shouldn't be in my life but when you don't have confidence around your boundaries you don't have confidence to say no no more I'm not tolerating this anymore you don't deserve to be in my life and both those people ended up being cut out of my life very shortly after but it was the first time i went through actually cutting someone out and saying hey no the way you treat me is not acceptable and then it was a very slow learning curve around boundaries largely helped by my own life coach where i remember sessions where i sat there and trying to tell someone new i was dating like the way they were treating me wasn't okay and she was sat there going you just have to reply, this doesn't work for me. And that sentence in itself blew my mind. It was like, I knew English as a language, but I did (laughs) not know those words could work next to each other or that I could say them. And so my first reaction was, I can't say that. And she was like, why? And I was like, because I can't. And it was just this block in me that I was like, how do you say that sentence? What will someone say? And the truth is the only way you find out is by trying it. So I said it and it worked and they changed the plan. I think it was something around where the date had been booked or that he had booked it really inconveniently, or he'd book he'd call me at two o'clock in the morning. It was something like that was quite a common behavior in dating, but is also quite disrespectful behavior in dating. Mm-hmm. And I said it, and he, he was just like, okay, I was like wow all of that in my head and it was just okay yeah wow (laughs) you realize actually a lot of the fear you build around boundary setting isn't real a lot of it is around your own fears and at the time my own fears were well what if he doesn't like me anymore what if he dumps me what if I then become like a really difficult undateable person Mm -hmm. and All of those things actually never ended up becoming true. If anything, I think people found it more attractive because when you have boundaries, you know yourself. And so someone can't just treat you the way they want. And sometimes, especially when it comes to dating, it is that pushing of boundaries that people do to see what they can get away with. And when you're insistent on the behavior you expect, Mm -hmm. It meant that I was upgrading my love life. I was upgrading my my social life in terms of my friends so quickly because it was very obvious from the behavior that people show you. But I wasn't listening to it for a really long time. Mm -hmm. You set a boundary and it gets ignored or broken. Then what? So you want to reinforce the boundary and you want to reinforce it with the consequence and i think the consequence part is a really key part of boundary setting that a lot of people don't include and it's when i say a consequence it doesn't need to be extreme but it can be as simple as if you continue to body shame me i'll be walking out the room so it's not always ending the relationship Mm -hmm. but it could just be please can we stop talking about my body if you want to continue talking about my body, then feel free to do so. But I will not be a part of the conversation. And it's understanding that you can't control what other people do. So I can't control the words that come out your mouth. I can't control if you want to keep having this conversation. What I can control is whether I'm in the conversation. And mm. so it's always about setting a consequence that you are willing and able to follow through on. Because if you set a consequence that you don't intend to follow through on, that's just an empty threat. And as we know with children, empty threats don't work very well. So with adults, they don't work very well either. It's kind of that thing of a mum in a playground saying, well, then you can't have candy, you can't have candy, and then suddenly they have candy anyway. Mm -hmm. So it's actually, if even if you have to set a lesser consequence, be it a lesser consequence that you actually follow through on. And so the reinforcing part is also that you can't just say it once. And especially if you're not someone who's used to boundary setting, the first time you say it, you will shock people around you. And it's not always malicious, but like the people around you, won't always perceive it as, oh, Michelle's a walkover, I'll just keep doing what I want. It will just be, it's a different thing. I'm a little bit confused. Okay, well, let's just continue with the dynamic we have always had. And that's why you need to reinforce it because it's basically you saying, I'm serious about this. And actually with a child, so my latest book is a children's book on how to set boundaries. One of my um, friends has a child who's 10 years old who actually read The Joy of Being Selfish because How to Say No was not out yet. And she set this beautiful boundary with her friends at 10 years old in school. And I think it's the best example where she went up to her friend, her friends were talking about one of their other friends. And she said, hey, I don't like it when you talk about um, our other friends. I don't think you should be talking about people behind their back. And if you're going to do that, I don't want to be a part of the conversation. And I also don't Friend. Wow, she was like, uh, "In the people I want as friends are people who I trust, don't talk behind my back." Bearing in mind she's ten years old, that is
0: incredible. Were you already writing at this point how to say no, or did this inspire you? No,
1: this <laughs> happened before. I think the story is even in the joy of being selfish because it it happened way before, and. Then she went home, told her mom about it, and her mom was like, Wow, this is amazing. The next day she goes to school, her friend does the same thing. And she goes to her friend and said, Hey, do you remember that conversation we had yesterday? I'm serious about that conversation. And if you continue to talk about our friends, then we can't be friends anymore because that's not what I'm looking for in friendship. And the friend actually stops talking about her mutual friends. And it's just such wow. a beautiful example because. Th- I did write How to Say No because it's the book I wish I had when I was younger. Mm -hmm. And it is the children's version of The Joy of Being Selfish. Mm -hmm. But I think being able to have that language at 10 years old, one of the most important things is she's going to grow up not, fearing that being disliked, and also learning that she doesn't have to conform to the people around her. And what's really interesting is, if I look back at my childhood, the kids who were most popular in school were actually the kids who never conformed, who were the kids who knew their opinions, knew what they wanted, knew their needs, and were very good at vocalizing it. And by doing that, she set a rule, she set a standard for her friendship group and will we'll go into adulthood with these skills that I so wish I had at 10 years old. I learned it later in life at 21, but people learn it a lot later in life. And yeah. I think it's never too late to learn it but having it younger means that becomes your norm and that's how you communicate to the people around you. And when I tell people that story, they're always like, wow, a 10 year old can't communicate like that. They can if they get taught to communicate like that. Mm -hmm. If their parents are embodying the same language and the same conversation, a child learns that to communicate the same way. And if a parent is saying to them, you can do this and this is how you tell your friends, then that's how they learn to communicate in friendship going forward and it's just, such a beautiful thing
0: that is an incredible story and that girl sounds like she's gonna (laughs) grow up to be formidable um and yeah speaking of how to say no I really really appreciated it as an adult reading it never mind like I know the the demographic might be aimed at like your school kids even your college kids
1: but I think adults could really learn a lot from the book as well was that intentional with you well, it all came out the fact that when The Joy of Being Selfish came out, a lot of my followers asked me, can I share this with my child? And they will say, like, my child is 11 years old. My child is 13 years old. Can they right. read it? And I never felt comfortable saying yes or no, because I do think that's a parenting choice. And it depends on your individual 11-year-old. Some 11-year-olds talk about sex. Some 11-year-olds have no clue what sex is. So mm. I have, I didn't want to then be this surrogate parent telling you whether your child could read a book that it had a section on sex and dating. And so I basically thought the best idea was to write a book that is aimed at that age range, that might not feel like sex or kissing is an appropriate conversation. Mm. How to say no does touch on kissing and consent, but that's as far as it goes. And so I started working on a children's book and actually went to my agent was like, everyone seems to want a children's version of this book. I've never written children's. Should we just go for it and do it? And it's turned out very successful. So it's also that proof of you should try something new, even if you've never done it before.
0: Well, just kind of simplifying, I suppose, a bit the messages, but still really hitting home. Like I did kind of bookmark a few lines, which I just loved. Like being respectful is a way to earn respect. Yeah. I loved the way you phrased that.
1: Well, I think also because the book is called How to Say No. And even when I gave it to my nephew, who's six years old, he was like, why do I need to learn how to say no? I already know how to say no. And I was like, just you wait. And my sister looked at the cover and was like, oh, thanks for that. Don't really need my children saying no anymore. (laughs) They say no quite enough. And I was explaining to parents like my sister, it's not just about how to say no, but it's about how to respect other people's no. And if you teach them that they can say no, then you can also teach them, you need to listen to me when I say no. And it's about having that mutual respect and teaching that boundaries goes both ways. Mm, Absolutely. Teachers
0: aren't always right and you aren't either. (laughs) Yeah. I was just like, yeah, this is absolute gold. Um, and then uh, you really made me think of my nephew who's about to turn eight uh, with the, the bit on, I don't do hugs. Because <laughs> he doesn't really like to do hugs, but he's so cute. Grown ups just want to hug him and he always kind of lets you, but you can tell he's not really into it. So I really appreciated that you actually addressed that and then gave some options like doing a fist bump.
1: well that's that's very much thanks to my middle nephew so my middle nephew um has never liked hugs and never wants to give me a hug but as soon as i go okay it's usually when we're saying bye Mm. and his mum will be like give auntie michelle a hug Mm. and he will never want to do it and i always go well how about a high five and then he'll give me a high five and he likes high fives he likes fist bumps just doesn't like hugs and I think we know adults like that and you would respect it if an adult said to you oh I'm not a hugging person but you don't respect it when it's a child well then what do you think that teaches when it comes to consent because Mm. if they have to endure being uncomfortable if they have to endure something that doesn't make them feel good then when's the line of oh no this is a time when you speak up but this is a time when you have to stay silent Mm.
0: Your year of no. (laughs) Was that in part of the research for the book, or was that something that you just felt compelled to do for your growth?
1: Uh, I probably started learning about boundaries when I was like 21, and it was probably when I was 22 I decided my year of no. And the example I tell in the book is a friend asked me if I wanted to go to a pub. It's a silly example, but I had just finished a really long work day and i felt guilty to say no i didn't but to be honest i didn't even think about it i was like yeah sure in my mind at the time you get invited you say yes like you don't think twice about it you're grateful that for the invite but also what if you're never invited again Mm -hmm. um and it did sound like a great night but i hung up and i was like oh wait this is my year of no and i'm exhausted i didn't realize how exhausted i was because i wasn't in the habit of checking in with my feelings I didn't particularly want to leave the house and i wasn't in the habit of checking in with my needs and i really needed rest and so i called my friend back and was like oh i'm not coming anymore <laughs> and he was like so what i spoke to you two minutes ago and, I was like, and yeah i'm not coming anymore and i this is what i mean when you first learn to set boundaries it's clumsy it's chaotic you won't do it the right way and what i've since learned is if you're cancelling you need to give an explanation but because my rule was in my year of no was not only that I was going to say the word no but I wasn't going to justify it I was just tiptoeing around this conversation of going yeah I just I don't want to anymore yeah yeah yeah, I just don't want to anymore and actually I think it took that time to go oh no if you cancel you do need to give a reason if you're Mm -hmm. saying no initially you don't need to give a reason and My friend thought I was like really strange and he didn't even end the phone call just being like, "Okay, you're acting really weird, uh, but I'll see you another time. Mm -hmm. And despite how clumsy the conversation was, it did feel empowering because I really enjoyed my evening. The funny thing is, I'm sure I would have enjoyed my evening uh, going to the pub, but it would have been me not listening to my needs. It would have been me again perpetuating this pattern of you want me there? I'm there rather than inserting this extra step of do I actually want to go? Or am I saying yes to this because I'm so scared to not be invited again? Mm. That's not the reason you should say yes.
0: Mm. As we start to draw the conversation to a close, when it comes to boundary setting, where is a good place to start for the novice, for the people pleaser?
1: So I was going to say buying the book, the door of being selfish, but <laughs> or how to say no, honestly, I really
0: appreciated yeah. it. I was like, I I had the reaction of, you know, like you said, you wrote it wishing you'd have had it when you were younger. I read it thinking, I would wish I'd have read this when I was younger.
1: Yeah, but actually the fir- first place to start is the word no, like it is the simplest, the first boundary we learn. And it's the boundary we usually have as children that gets taught out of us as we grow up sorry, as we grow older and we, um, we start to think about how others perceive us, that's what affects our ability to say no. So start with strangers. When it, When a waiter comes over in a restaurant, asks whether you like the food and you very obviously do not like the food, actually say the word no. If you get a haircut and they ask if you're happy and you aren't happy, say the word no. It's about actually giving your no more power so that your yes means something when you say yes. There's almost like a running joke in my family now that when I turn up to events, they're like, oh, she turned up because they don't take me for granted turn up anymore. And there are certain family friends I do not like. And if they're in the room, I don't come. And I don't i don't try to control who my parents are friends with. I don't try to control who my parents invite to parties, but I do get to control which rooms I am in. And so when I turn up now, even my friends make this joke of like, you know, Michelle actually wants to be here when she turns up because she'll tell you no. Know. <laughs> like, but it's a good thing. It's a really great thing because it means that your attendance isn't taken for granted, And people actually appreciate you turning up because you want to be there, not because you feel obligated to be there.
0: And this is why they call her the Boundaries Queen. (laughs) Thank you so much, Michelle. I've got five more questions. They're more like quick fire. It's the last five in five. It's like a new feature to close the episode with for this next season. Okay, when and where are you at your happiest?
1: Usually on a beach by a body of water, usually a pool.
0: Nice. What's your favorite thing to do that nourishes your mental health?
1: Probably binge TV shows. Grey's Anatomy is a forever favorite, but at the moment I am binging Love is Blind. Uh, What piece
0: of advice do you now know that you wished somebody would have told you earlier that would have made you a happier person today?
1: It has to be to set boundaries, and that boundaries won't make good people leave your life. It will just get rid of the people who are taking advantage of you.
0: What is the most important one thing that needs to change to make the world a happier place?
1: I think people need to mind their own business more. One of my pet hates is unsolicited opinions, but again, it's down to lack of boundaries.
0: And finally, what is a simple actionable step that we can take when it comes to setting boundaries that will help us all on our mission to building a happier life?
1: Actually check in with your feelings. So your feelings exist inside your body and you need to be able to do a body scan and actually know how you feel about a situation. Usually the two main emotions that will pinpoint that a boundary has been crossed is anger and resentment. So pay attention to both those emotions.
0: Fantastic stuff. Thank you so much, Michelle. So for more on you, the website is michelleellman.com. Super simple. On Instagram, it's michelle l Elman. Thank you again for your time today. I mean, such interesting stuff. And like, yeah, again, it really is very impactful on our mental health.
1: Thank you so much. It was lovely talking to you.
0: Thank you for listening to the Happier Life Project with me, Gabby Sanderson. This concludes today's episode. Just a couple of important notes first. If you are suffering with your mental health, there is a crisis button on the My Possible Self app, which will signpost you to the correct information for immediate expert advice. Those of you who are listening on one of the podcast platforms, the My Possible Self app is completely free to download. You can access all of the content and you don't need to worry about it costing you anything. The views expressed in this podcast are solely those of the interviewer which is me and the interviewees. The content of this podcast should not be considered as a substitute for professional or medical advice. The Priory Healthcare are not involved in the production or content of this podcast. Your support really, truly means a lot and it enables us to continue doing what we do. So please do subscribe, share with your friends and leave a review if you found this episode helpful. And to find and follow us on social media if you don't already. We are at My Possible Self and I've been at Radio Gabby. Do take care and I'll see you on the next one.